You're listening to the All Indie Writers Podcast with host Jennifer Mattern. Helping serious freelancers, bloggers, and indie authors go pro. Hello and welcome. I'm Jen Mattern and you're listening to the All Indie Writers Podcast. Thank you for joining me today. This is episode number 18. You can find show notes and related links for this episode at allindiewriters.com slash podcast slash 18. Today is the first episode in the new Community Questions series. These are solo episodes of the show, which I'll release every other week in between guest co-host visits. Today's episode will cover a topic suggested by fellow freelancer Dan Alexander. That topic is motivation. More specifically, we'll look at ways going back to basics can keep us motivated to write. You can learn more about Dan at danalexander.com, and that is Dan with two N's. Let's start by talking about handwriting as opposed to typing your work. This was something that Dan brought up in my conversation with him because he was doing this personally. And he actually wrote a blog post about his experience writing by hand. And I will link you to that so you can read about how it works for him and keeps him motivated over at the show note page at allindiewriters.com slash podcast slash 18. Now, the thing with writing by hand is it's incredibly flexible. You can write by hand only for certain portions of your project. You can write everything by hand. You can write by hand only when you're traveling, if you so choose. It's completely up to you. It is super adaptable. And the thing is, we're not talking necessarily so much about handwriting your work all the time here. But instead, for those of us who do type or dictate more often, using handwriting as a way to reconnect with your work in a different way. And the reason that can help you feel more motivated to push forward on your projects is that it forces you to focus on your words and connect to them on a different level than typing does. For example, I'm a very fast typist. And sometimes it feels like I'm typing almost as fast as I'm thinking. The words just sort of flow out of my fingertips. And I don't really have time to think about them. And that's great for me when I'm working on a first draft because I'm one of those writers who loves a quick and dirty rough draft. And then it's all about revisions. But I I do a lot of planning before I get to that phase. And for me, that's where handwriting comes in, well, handy. You know, I use it for outlining and for brainstorming, for whiteboarding, mind maps, anything like that. And sometimes I will even write up a short version of a story before my official rough draft. So that's one option. For others, you know, you might prefer to write your first drafts by hand and then have them transcribed and take care of edits and everything on the computer. If you have the patience for that, you know, bless your soul because I, I certainly don't. But a benefit of that, if that's your thing, is that it kind of makes it difficult to self-edit as you go. Not that you can't cross things out and go back, but there's a certain commitment to the words before you put them on paper that just isn't there when you're typing to a screen. You know, when I'm typing, for example, sometimes my fingers will edit and, you know, fix things. They'll fix typos and things without me really thinking about it. And when you're writing by hand, that doesn't happen. You're, you're forced to think, you're forced to really consider what you're about to say. So for a more thoughtful first draft, that could be a great option for you. 
especially if you're not used to it, simply because thinking about your story or whether this is a freelance project or fiction, it really doesn't matter. Thinking about whatever you're working on in a different way might be all it takes to reinvigorate you and get that interest back in it. There was one situation where I did work on a first draft by hand, not completely, but I have a place I like to go that I call my little writing retreat. It is called the Sayer Mansion. It is in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. It's a B&B in an old Victorian mansion, and there's a suite that I stay in there. It's a library suite, basically. You have your bedroom, and then there's a separate sitting room. Well, the sitting room was a part of the original library for the house, so you still have this gorgeous high dome ceiling chandelier, these huge built-in bookcases, a fireplace, and writing desk in there. And if there's anywhere in the world that I would just want to sit and write, that would be it. Well, a couple of birthdays ago, I was there for a couple of nights, and I decided to bring some work with me. You know, I just intended to pull out my laptop and sit at the desk and write. And instead, they had the desk set up this time in front of the window. And I sat down at the desk, looked outside. It was snowing. So I'm watching the snowfall on the city, sitting at this beautiful old desk, and the thought of pulling out a laptop and typing just felt so wrong, I guess. So at that point, I did decide to pull out a notebook and I wrote by hand and I made a lot of progress. You know, that was a great weekend. You know, it wasn't something that I'd planned to do, but it was probably some of the best work I did on that first draft because it took me outside of that whole quick and dirty process that I usually use on my rough work. So even if writing by hand isn't something that you want to do all the time, think of it as your own sort of mini writing retreat. Along those lines, something else that I highly recommend is trying to minimize distractions as much as possible. And I know, I know, you know, it seems impossible sometimes. Um, We all have distractions. We do. For me, I'm the first person to admit I'm terrible about this. I work with multiple monitors, and whenever I'm working with only my laptop and no external monitor, I am so miserable. (laughs) I need that space. I sometimes will have research material pulled up on that monitor so I don't have to switch between programs when I'm writing. Um, Sometimes I'll just have a photo up that inspires me and makes me think about the story. And... Oftentimes when I'm working on admin or something that's not necessarily directly writing, I will have TweetDeck open on that second monitor. And even sometimes when I am writing, I still leave it open. Um, That is largely because, well, that coupled with the fact that I have Twitter set to send me mobile alerts anytime someone mentions me or DMs me, I... I'm focusing largely on Twitter for promoting the All Indie Writers blog this year and for promoting one of my pen names. So it's important to me that I'm present and I'm actually not as present as I probably seem there. A lot of that is pre-scheduled and most of the time I'm not actually paying attention to it unless one of those notifications comes up. But by keeping it open, by keeping those notifications up, 
I'm able to respond to people faster. And I found that it's really helping with the traffic and followers and everything else. So that's something I'm intentionally doing for marketing's sake. And it's still a distraction. Not It's not a terrible distraction, but it, it's still a distraction once in a while if I forget to shut those things down when I really need to dig into a project. I will say that I tend to be a little bit better about distractions when I'm in a late night writing session, which is usually if I'm working on fiction. You know, I think part of that is because with social media specifically, fewer people are on there talking at that time. On top of that, if I'm writing late at night, it's usually fiction. And for me to be pulling an all-nighter to write fiction, it means I really wanted to work on that project. And I'm doing it because I am driven and I already have that motivation. So in that case, it's much more difficult to distract me. Now, as far as minimizing distractions, you know, we had talked about writing by hand previously. And that's a great example, simply because it's a way that you can just disconnect from the internet, which, you know, is the grandest distraction of them all. And just focus on your writing. So, you know, again, give that a try. Maybe that'll help if you find that you're frequently distracted and that's hurting your motivation to finish whatever project you're working on. Now, look, when it comes to things like family and pets and neighbors and friends, that, that can be a distraction too. We all have distractions of one kind or another. And if your distractions are people, the best thing I can recommend is that you talk to them and lay some ground rules. It's not always easy, especially if they aren't terribly supportive. And I know some writers struggle with that. I did early on too. And you have to explain to them that this is real work, that you are at your business when you are working on these projects. And you can't be distracted. You can't drop everything to run errands for them. You can't stop for chit chat and gossip. And instead of necessarily focusing on the no, what I found helped earlier on in my career was focusing instead on when you are available for them. So you might give them a certain window where you're available, or you might tell them you'll call them at such and such a time and silence your phone, you know, otherwise, and don't answer your door, close those curtains and pretend you're not home if you have to. But Letting them know that you will be available for them at some time will often help them feel less, less neglected when they know that you are at home. So that's just a little tidbit. It worked for me. Hopefully it would work for you too. And back to the online distractions though, I do just want to mention that one option you have as opposed to just shutting things down is to use apps to block you from accessing certain websites or programs at certain times. I'm not going to get into these specific options here in the show. I will link you to a few to cover your desktop browsers or iOS devices and Android devices. And again, that'll be on the show notes page, which you can find at allindiewriters.com slash podcast slash 18. Now, previously I mentioned the Sayre Mansion when I was talking about handwriting in a first draft. And I believe that was actually my first mystery. With that in mind, you know, let me suggest that If you're not feeling motivated to write, try relocating. You know, go somewhere where you feel inspired or where you can just enjoy a change of scenery. 
it doesn't have to be a B&B or a hotel or something like that. In fact, I do not recommend that on any kind of a regular basis because in most cases, you're not going to recoup the cost. That isn't necessary to get your motivation back. It can be you know, something simple. It could be as simple as going to a different room in your house. If you have a home office, then go right on your living room couch or right from bed or from the kitchen table. If you're usually cooped up inside, try writing outside. You know, here, for example, I have a deck behind the house. And in the summer, if I go out early in the morning, while it's still quiet, nobody's mowing lawns or anything yet, it's pretty peaceful. If you don't have somewhere peaceful to write at home, then consider going out. Go to a local cafe, for example, or a park. Or when I was living at my apartment before moving here, one of my favorite places to go for a change of scenery was to go to the library. I loved writing at the library. You have all the research material you could possibly want. It's quiet and it's comfortable. So if you have a local library, go there and try to write. Personally, I have another outdoor location that I'm excited to try as a little writing escape. I have a lake nearby that I like to go to just to unwind. It's a reservoir. I was there last week taking photos. I was sharing them on my pen name's Twitter account, and someone had asked me if I was writing while I was there. And it was like, you know what? I've never actually done that. I wonder why. <laughs> so I didn't that day. I only had my phone with me. I could have dictated a little bit and I thought about it, but I was getting into evening, so I just decided to head home at that point. But I do want to go back and I'll try to remember to share a photo or two in the show notes. But this lake has some really cool areas to write. You know, there's a grove of huge evergreen trees that you could just kind of curl up under and you know, there are trees you could climb if that's your thing and that's totally my thing <laughs> and there are these really cool trees right along the edge of that grove and they're right along the edge of the lake and the where the grove meets the lake basically and the roots are exposed and it's almost like this weird shelf of twisted exposed roots from these trees and it's so gorgeous and a little bit creepy all at once and I would totally just curl up there on those roots and write and again I'll post a picture of one of the trees with those roots that I'm talking about on the show notes page at allindywriters.com slash podcast slash 18 and on top of the, the trees and just you know, the beauty of the water there, there are these huge boulders that jut out into, into the lake. And, you know, I was there after a rain and like an idiot, I'm walking down the muddy slope to these boulders and hanging out on wet boulders and flip-flops. But on a dry day, uh, that would actually be a great place to just sit. And again, just sit and write, right there at the edge of the water. And I don't, know why I haven't done that yet, but I think that will be my next little writing excursion. So find something like that. You know, it doesn't have to be somewhere peaceful in the sense of quiet like the lake. If you're in a city, for example, maybe you'd want to get on the subway and, you know, have the sound of the trains lull you while you write. Or 
go into a busy cafe and just listen to the people around you, that background chatter. Whatever makes you comfortable is what matters. So find somewhere that you are comfortable. So whichever kind of writer you are, you know, you can find somewhere that will suit you. That is not your normal writing environment. And sometimes it's just that change of scenery that sparks that motivation and creativity and really makes you passionate again. So give it a try. Let's move on to something else. One thing I think is so important if you want to stay motivated as a writer of any kind is to let yourself dream a little. You know, if you're not feeling motivated, stop trying to write for a while. You know, go lie down, go curl up in your favorite chair or on the couch, or go for a walk if you want to, but stop trying to direct your mind. Instead, you know, let it drift where it wants to go. Fantasize, daydream, but let your mind wander freely. And that might even mean letting it wander to sleep. You know, if you need to take a nap, take a nap and wake up and you'll be able to look at your project with fresh eyes and maybe even have a new perspective. So, you know, I don't personally go and take a nap because I don't feel motivated, but I do occasionally take a nap because I've been up working late or I'm just exhausted for whatever reason. And whatever the reason for that is, when I wake up from these naps, I always do feel very energetic and motivated and I want to dive into something. So I don't know, I I should take my own advice and schedule in more naps. (laughs) So we'll see about that. But look, ultimately, remember that all writing, even nonfiction, is about a story. So focus less on the words and just tell yourself stories, you know, Like I said, daydream, just kind of let these stories play through your head like a movie or pretend that you're talking to a child and you're telling them the story or not even a child, but somebody who, let's say you're talking about a nonfiction article for a client, then imagine that you're telling the story or you're explaining whatever it is this article is about to someone who doesn't understand it. And when you can tell yourself stories in that way, Sometimes what happens is little things jump out at you. It might be an image or a word or a specific phrase, but something is going to catch your attention or your imagination and inspire you or motivate you to keep going, to go on to that next phase, to write that draft or to take a different approach with what you're writing. You know, so if you allow yourself to just be inside your own head without trying to force something onto the page, then chances are the right words will come when they're ready to. Along those lines, visualize. You know, I know that sounds a little new agey, but still bear with me. You know, again, get away from the computer and just spend a little time in your head. And instead of thinking about your project or your story, Think about your writing career. Think about your long-term goals. Where do you want to be a year from now? What's it going to be like when you finish that book you're working on? What is the best possible outcome that you can imagine? Let yourself think about that. Remind yourself what you're working towards. All right, now other than being in your own head, sometimes it helps to let other people in too. So let's talk now about buddying up. 
And this might mean having an accountability buddy or a critique partner or just another writer that you talk to and share your experiences with. Look, sometimes we are just terrible self-motivators where nothing we tell ourselves on that particular day is going to motivate us to do what we need to do. And in those cases, having someone else who counts on us or who checks in on us can be all the motivation we need. For example, you might set deadlines for yourself as a way to stay motivated. Here's the thing. Are you really afraid of yourself? Because I'm not. And if I set a deadline for myself and I miss that deadline, I'm not going to do anything terribly awful to myself. There's no real punishment for that. So what's the real motivation to meet those deadlines? Now, you know, look, I often do meet those deadlines, but when I really, really, really don't feel motivated, a deadline alone that I've set for myself, that isn't going to do it. So in those cases, it really helps to have a colleague that I can trust. And what happens is you let them hold you accountable as opposed to you trying to hold yourself accountable. So for example, let's say you have a weekly meetup scheduled with this other writer, you know, and you know, for this, I recommend working with other writers who have very similar goals to yours. So let's say you go, you meet for coffee each week and you might share your goals for the following week and talk about your progress from the previous one. Well, if you don't meet your goals, then you pick up the tab. You know, that's a really simple example of how you're literally going to pay a price if you don't do your job. You know, you have to just make sure there's some kind of a real consequence to it. And for me, an even better motivation is guilt. Instead of having a get together where I might end up having to pay for drinks or lunch or something, it's going to affect me far more if I know I'm going to feel guilty for wasting somebody else's time. You might schedule in a critique session with a fellow writer. You know, you know that your work or lack thereof is going to impact their schedule when they were intending to hear your newest story or your newest article. And for me personally, I don't want to waste their time. So I'm going to get shit done because it's not me. It's not my time on the line. It's somebody else's. And I'm not going to go to them and say, oh, hey, you know, I didn't get my work done this week. How about I give it to you next week? Well, fuck no, they're busy. <laughs> they have other things to do next week. So tie your writing to somebody else's schedule so you have a real reason to get it done. You know, it's kind of like answering to a boss or a client on the freelance side of things. But when you don't have that, like when you're writing fiction and you, know, you don't have an editor or somebody on your case, then that critique partner or accountability buddy, if you really hold each other accountable, that can be a huge motivating factor. I want to talk about one more simple thing that you can do to keep yourself motivated as a writer, and that is to reward yourself. And rewards can be big or small. You know, for example, you might just give yourself a favorite dessert if you hit your word count goal on a particular day. Or maybe it's a more extreme reward, like a trip, because you finished a book or some other really big goal. 
you know, just keep it realistic and proportional. You know, don't promise yourself a reward that you can't actually give yourself if you reach that goal, because deep down you're going to know that and it's not going to motivate you. Now, no matter what rewards you set for yourself, try to get others in on it. You know, this goes back to the whole buddy thing, but this is a great opportunity for family or friends to get involved. So for example, maybe if you reach your word count goal for this particular month, you're going to get tickets for a big game that you and your sweetheart want to go see. Or maybe you'll plan a weekend away with the kids. If there's something in it for the people in your life, then they're going to want to keep you motivated too. So you're going to have that added push. And look at it this way, they're also going to make themselves less of a distraction for you if they want you to get your writing done. So get them in on it, you know, bring them in on the good side of it and they'll be there to help support you a little bit more when it comes to getting the work done. So to rehash, you know, sometimes it's the little things that make the biggest difference when it comes to staying motivated as a writer. So try going back to the basics and how you work or how you write, what you surround yourself with and disconnect, you know, relocate right by hand, bring other people in your life. And those simple things might be all it takes to get you focused again on finishing your next big writing project. And that is all I have for you today. So check back in next week when I'll be joined by Princess Jones to talk about fear and confidence issues and the fact that even experienced writing pros aren't immune from them. Then I'll be coming back around to my conversation with Dan Alexander in the following episode when I talk about social media do's and don'ts when building your personal brand as a freelance writer. Do you want me to tackle something specific in a future episode? You can submit your writing-related questions through the contact form at allindywriters.com slash podcast by emailing me at jen, that's J-E-N-N, at allindywriters.com or by leaving me a voicemail at 484-575-1345. You can find show notes and related links for this episode at allindywriters.com slash podcast slash 18. You can also access this podcast, audio blog posts, and related audio productions by visiting freelancetheater.com. You've been listening to the All Indie Writers Podcast with Jen Mattern, a freelance theater production. Freelance theater. It's all writers need for life's little episodes.